Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we have in our midst a friend of this chapel, a member in diaspora, a preacher of righteousness, and a Bible teacher, two-time deputy vice-chancellor of Enugu State University of Technology and Science, a former vice-chancellor of the University of Nigeria, Nsuka, a former vice-chancellor of Federal University of Yuekiti, and a former Federal Minister of Power. Now, he is a full-time farmer, taking time to preach the Word of God and traverse the length and breadth of the country. Today, tomorrow, and next tomorrow, if Jesus hasn't come before we end up, we have our brother, our father in the Lord, the Venerable Professor Chinedu Nebo. You're welcome, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank God for the privilege of coming to share with you something that has been dear to my heart for many years now. And I start by appreciating our Father in the Lord, your vicar, the Venerable Professor Samike, and his team of clergy and the PCC for inviting me to come and share with you during this hour of need as we await the Lord's coming. The theme of this very moment is prepare to meet your God and is called from the book of Prophet Amos chapter 4 verse 12. But the key thing we want to study is the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for the privilege of having your word, listening to your word, responding to your word, and living by your word. We live in precarious times, O Lord, but your children have all gathered to learn not from me, but from the Spirit of the living God. What is happening in the world, in the light of scriptures, in the light of Bible prophecy, so that we are able to analyze the events of today in line with your word. Therefore, Spirit of the living God, since this is your word, since you have called us together, since you do not wish that any perish, but that all should come to the knowledge, saving knowledge of our Lord. Come and speak through me, just a vessel, as uncoordinated and as broken as I am, to minister to your children, word of life. May they respond, and in responding, may they end eternity through salvation. That comes only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So that on the day of judgment, instead of condemnation that is dished out to the world, 
Everyone who hears this message will receive a resounding commendation from you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brethren, there are many reasons that we must teach about the Lord's second coming. Very rarely, in fact, you could be in a church from January till December and not hear a teaching or a sermon on the coming of the Lord. Sometimes what we do is using our liturgy, which by the grace of God is very comprehensive and more complete than you can see in so-called charismatic, Pentecostal churches and so on. We use the first advent during the lessons of the advent to point to the second advent, which is the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For these three days, what I will be doing is teaching, not preaching, teaching. Even on Sunday, it is going to be teaching. There is a lot of materials to cover. Brethren, what is happening in the world today as chaotic, as problematic, as difficult to understand or digest, as pathetic, as painful as they are, all had been predicted in the Word of God. The Bible clearly tells us that at the end times, things will be like this. I'm going to try to give you a message that is more balanced. There are those who go off tangent because there are frightening cosmological events today. As I speak to you, there are frightening things happening. Some encroaching into our solar system, others about to happen, that people are terrified. What's going to happen to the world when all these things become a reality in our generation? Then some people, when we were talking about the blood moons, the tetracts, the four blood moons that came, beginning from 2014 and ending in September 2015, I saw part of that one. In fact, the weather was very inclement, but we saw a glimpse of it. This blood moon, some people have gone off tangents to associate the coming of the Lord with the blood moons. Because very rarely do you get the tetrads as they appear. But the Bible does not say that it is just the reddening, reddening of the moon that will herald the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, after he comes, there is going to be a massive, monumental reddening of the blood. And the sun will also be beclouded because of other cosmological events that are happening. I will give you just a best eye view of some of this because I do not want to frighten you. 
please, 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 don't be frightened about some of the things you read on internet and so on. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, when you see these things happening, men's heart failing them for fear of those things that are coming upon the world, he said, look up for your redemption draw it nigh. Look up for your redemption draw it nigh. So it is not time to wallow in self-pity, in defeatist attitude, thinking that all is gone or all is lost. It is time for the Christian to be excited that the Lord is coming again. He's coming in power and great glory. And nothing is ever going to stop that from happening. Nobody's going to stop that. Not our government, not the United Nations, not the Russian army. Not the Chinese army. Not all of those who are preparing for Gog and Magog and Armageddon. Not those who are preparing for the Third World War, as you know. And we're going to try to at least tell you a few things about some of the politics of the world that could lead to the Third World War and why there might be a break for now because of events that have happened. It is so critical to teach about the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because first, we must prepare. And in preparing for His second coming, we must know the following. Number one, for every prophecy of the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the advent, the one He came 2,000 years ago, for every prophecy about his first coming, there are at least six or more prophecies about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the Bible is replete with the day of the Lord, the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, much more than prophecies of the first coming. And for those of you who have done a little mathematics to the Talk about probabilities and statistics and things like that. If you have an event predicted and 3,000 different allusions to what might happen at that event happen, and it happened, you have a one in one chance, 100%. The probability is one. However... If you were going to extrapolate mathematically, you could also say, which is impossible mathematically anyway, it's just at a certainty, that you have six times more probability of the second coming than the first one. But God is not man, so his word is his bond. And if he says he would come, he will come. So, it is important to realize that much of prophecy in the scripture deal with the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most of the Old Testament prophecies were about his second coming. And a lot of them talk about the day of the Lord. Secondly, most references in the Old Testament about this day of the Lord refer to the second coming. Actually refers 
to the wrath of God, or what people call the second half of the great tribulation. Let me clear the air. There are three major groups of um, prophetic schools of thought. Number one is amillennialism, people who don't believe that there will be a 1,000 year reign of our Lord Jesus Christ on earth when he comes. They are called amillennialists. There are those who are pre-millennialists who believe in all the pre, uh, scriptures as they are written and that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come before the 1,000 year reign written in Revelation chapter 20. Then there are those who are post-millennialists who believe that that 1,000 years actually is that the world will get better and better and better and at the end of that so-called millennium, Jesus Christ will return. But among all these schools of thought, the major ones we know are the ones that have to deal with the time of the rapture, quote-unquote. Because you might not find the word rapture as a word in scripture, but it ought to being caught up with, to catch away. And there are essentially about five different groups. Group number one, those who are called the pre-tribulation rapturist. Those who believe that the tribulation will happen before the coming of the Lord. No. Pre-tribulation. That the Lord will come before the tribulation. In other words, that Christians will not be part of the great tribulation. Then there are those who are called mid-tribulation rapturists. That is those who believe that in the middle of the so-called seven-year period of great tribulation, Jesus Christ will come. And then there are those who are called post-tribulation rapturists. And these are the people who believe that Jesus Christ will come at the end of the seven years of the great tribulation. But there are also those who are called pre-wrath rapturists. In other words, they divide the great tribulation into about two. The first half being the great tribulation, which they believe that the church will be here on earth when it happens. The second part being the wrath of God. And because the children of God are not appointed unto wrath, we are the children of God, children of favor, born of grace, born of the blood of Jesus Christ, washed, cleansed. So, we are not children of God's wrath. The wicked are children of God's wrath. So, the pre-wrath rapturists are those who believe that the church will participate in the great tribulation, but not in the wrath of God, which many see as the second part of the great tribulation. And then the fifth group are, is called the imminence rapture, imminent rapturist group. Those who believe that nothing has to happen and that Jesus Christ was going to come. 
In fact, many people believe that so strongly, so very strongly, that when there was this United States Revival of 1914, 1914, there was a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And people who were not used to that kind of experience started speaking in tongues. Many spoke in tongues. Many manifested other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Interpretation. Some manifested healing power, miracles, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and things like that. It was so massive. Unfortunately, it was like Part of the church wasn't quite ready for it. So those people were no longer comfortable in their churches. And what happened? They didn't know what to call themselves. They were at a time confused. And many of them got together and said, what do we call ourselves? And not knowing what to call themselves. And believing that Jesus Christ could come immediately. That it was imminent. They called themselves the Assemblies of God. That was how the Assemblies of God Church was born. A product of the 1914 revival. That was a, a, a Herculean year by the way. Because that, that's the way Jehovah's Witnesses said the devil was driven out of um, heaven. And that was the way the British people just came and lumped to the northern part of Nigeria and the southern part and called these people Nigeria. So maybe a lot of things happened then, but that wasn't the coming of the Lord at all. Now, two men were very categorical in stating that the doctrine of imminence was not a reality. Number one, Dr. C.I. Schofield, and number two, Dr. H.A. Ironside. They said that Jesus would not come until the nation of Israel was again established on earth in the right place and Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. We are talking about things that happened a hundred years ago. And this man stood firm. They believed that the coming of the Lord will not take place until the nation of Israel had come to be again. Now, by the grace of God, when the Balfour Declaration was made in 1917, and United Nations Organization after the Second World War, and after the devastating pogrom and genocide against the Jews, decided that the Balfour Declaration would be allowed to be. That Israel, Jews would be given a place in Palestine that they could rightly call their own. So when United Nations voted, and believe it or not, Britain abstained. Those who are your people abstained. By the grace of God, 
On 14th of May, 1948, drawing on the Balfour Declaration, the nation of Israel was born. That marked the beginning of a totally new era. What it means is that what doctors Ironside and Schofield had said had to happen before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ already happened. We will yet come to Israel later. But for now, part of the reason why we must prepare and why it is important to teach about the second coming of the Lord, the Old Testament ended on the note Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. The Lord whom you expect will suddenly appear in his temple. The messenger of righteousness. The prophets declared it. Jesus taught several. Another reason Jesus himself our Lord and our Savior taught severally about his second coming. The entirety of Matthew 24 and 25 Mark chapter 13 and much of Luke chapter 21 all deal with the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself giving the exposition on his coming. That is hearing from the horse's mouth. In other words, the Old Testament prophets declared it. The Lord Jesus Christ declared it himself. The angels declared it. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. When the Lord Jesus Christ was ascending, two men spoke and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the sky? This same Jesus shall return to you in like manner. Hallelujah! That wasn't the end. He was going to come back again. And he's coming back in power and great glory. That's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Old Testament prophets prophesied it. The Lord Jesus Christ declared it. Angels declared it. And then the apostles taught severally. If you read First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18... 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 14. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And most of Revelation gave detailed events leading to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, when we look at all this, we see that most of the conditionalities listed in the word of God that needed to take place before the coming of the Lord have taken place. We are very close to the end. Very, very close. And before, hopefully, we finish by today, tomorrow, and Sunday, you'll be able to take home concrete information. And much of this information substantiated by the Word of God. Because we are not here to promote fables or any such thing. Now, the agenda of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ 
didn't start today. Something happened in a kingdom that existed 2,600 years ago. Almost 2,700 years ago. That was Babylonian Empire. Babylon ruled the world then. Because of want of time and because I have been a teacher for more than half of my life, I will give you an assignment. Go home and read Daniel chapter 2 and also Daniel chapter 7. So that if we have occasion to revisit this tomorrow, it will not be news to you. Daniel chapters 2 and 7. But something happened very remarkably. A pagan king, a man of stature, who was given the name King of Kings, ruled Babylon. And in his second year, having taken over from his father, because he was busy invading Judah and other countries, when he heard the news of his father's death, and then was invited to come back to Babylon and be coronated the emperor or the king of the Babylonian empire. So he allowed his lieutenants to finish the dirty job of mopping up Judah. And then went back and was crowned king. When he had consolidated his kingship, he was apparently concerned if you read that scripture instead of going through it here to save time. He was wondering what will happen after him. You know, sometimes intelligent people, or maybe not quite intelligent, but wise people, because somebody can be intelligent and not wise, but a wise man at least can use not only his own intelligence, but that of others, to deduce information and take proactive measures. So, God decided to do something special. God is God. And if he wants to use somebody, he will use that person. Some people would wonder, why didn't God reveal these same things to his prophets? He did. He revealed this to Daniel. He revealed it to others. But in a most remarkable way, in the language that the king Nebuchadnezzar could understand, God decided to reveal the kingdoms of men with pictorial illustration to drive home his point. Nebuchadnezzar, after thinking, went to sleep. And he had a dream. Something told him that was somewhere about 
maybe 602 BC or so. Something in him told him this is not an ordinary dream. This is a revelation. This is a revelation of worldly stature. Not just a revelation of the empire you know. But a revelation that covers the whole world. And so, Nebuchadnezzar got up in the morning. And summoned all the wise men. All the special advisors. All the senior special assistants. All the professors in their Unicaldian University. To come and tell him the meaning of that dream. When they came together, you would expect that Nebuchadnezzar would share with them his dream. But Nebuchadnezzar, no be man where you go deceive anyhow. He said, Okunu, ndiyamuma. When they see dead people and you see the gods, I want you first to tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation. The wise men, the satraps, all those wonderful people that he had in his realm, the soothsayers, the people who believed in talking with the dead, then the clairvoyants, their prophets, they told the king, please, let's get the dream so we will interpret it for you. It's like you are a, a professor. And you enter a class. And you tell the class. I have ten questions here. In order for me to know you have studied. Tell me the ten questions I have in my mind. And give me the answers to those ten questions. Can anybody answer that? Nobody can do it in the world. So these wise men. Quote unquote. Because that's what they were called. They told the king, what you are asking for, because the king told them, if you don't tell me the dream first, so that I will confirm whether it is my dream, and then I will let you give me the interpretation, I will convert all of you to Suya. You will all be cut up in pieces, not only you, but your families, and thrown away as rubbish. I pay you people. You say you come in with the gods. Now. But. They told them. Oh king. What you are asking for. Nobody has ever asked. Of any wise men. Of any astrologers. Of any soothsayers. Of any uh, clairvoyants. No one had ever asked. So please go ahead. Tell us the dream. 
and will give you the interpretation. The king became furious and he decided to kill them all. You see, pride and arrogance play as insanity sometimes. If a man kills all the wise men in his country who are left, fools, have you not be so? Fools and semi-fools, not be so. He decided to finish all the professors. Thank God the venerable and I didn't live in those days. But thank God there is a Daniel and God might have used us as Daniel. Immediately, go slaughter them. And they came, they, we are beginning the process. So in order to execute it, they went to Daniel too, because he was a wise man. Remember he graduated summa cum laude. That is highest honor. And they said that they were ten times sharper than their lecturers in that Chaldean university they attended. If you read chapter 1 of Daniel. When the king consolidated his empire and decided to invite the wise men of the empire, they felt that the king was inviting them to honor them and give them gifts. So they forgot the people of God. They didn't regard them as owners and proper stakeholders. But when the order was given to kill, to kill the wise men, they remembered, aha, there are other wise men we didn't go and bring them so that we can chop up their heads. That's often what happens to us Christians. When they are doing all the rubbish they are doing in our land, they don't remember us. When they run into trouble, they will now say, please pray. I beg, mekuna they pray. Everybody, mekuna pray. Have you no be so? That's what happens. So Daniel said, what was the problem? And they explained to Daniel. Daniel said, please, go tell the king. Let him not kill these people. Apart from maybe those that have been killed, no more killing. I will go to my God and get an answer. And Daniel called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were names given to them according to the name of the deities worshipped by Babylon. Daniel's name was Belteshazzar because uh, King Nebuchadnezzar felt that Daniel was actually a god himself. So these are the names of deities given to them. For um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their real Jewish names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. So they had a prayer vigil. They prayed all night. They called unto the Lord and the God of wisdom, the God of knowledge, the God of understanding, opened Daniel's eyes and he saw the dream. God explained to him the details of the dream. And not only did he explain the details of the dream to him, he gave him the interpretation. Hallelujah. If Daniel were a Nigerian, the first thing he would do is to start a church. (laughs) 
And he will become the general superintendent of the church. He might even put advertisement, something, something international, Daniel et al., Dream Interpreters International, Prophecy Unveilers International. Everything is now international. Even in villages where nobody speaks a single two-way English, the man of God, quote-unquote, will put their global missions. Daniel went to Ashpenaz and others and said, Please kill nobody. God has unveiled this. If it were some of us, there are people who could tell the king, Slaughter all those people! They are four one niners. They are just in the middle do. Just slaughter them. And then I will give you the interpretation. Not so with Daniel. God used him to save lives. Even though those lives were not committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because eventually many of them came to believe in Daniel's God after this event. Because their lives were spared. What was a dream? Nebuchadnezzar dreamt about a humongous statue. The head of the statue was of fine, pure gold. The upper arms and breast of the statue, pure, shiny silver. The abdomen and thigh of the statue, glittering bronze. The leg of the statue, fine polished iron. And the feet of the statue, a mixture of iron and clay. And as Nebuchadnezzar pondered over this huge statue, he saw a piece of rock from an everlasting hill, mountain. This piece of rock was not cut out by human hand, but it just emerged from that rock of edges. Came, hit this humongous statue, not on the head of gold, not on the silver, which was arms and breast, not of the abdomen and thigh of bronze, not on the leg of iron, but at the feet, mixture of iron and clay. Once it, div- once it broke this statue, it ground the statue to powder. And the wind came and carried off every bit of this as chaff. And then that little piece of rock became a mountain that filled the whole world. So Nebuchadnezzar didn't understand this. So when he invited Daniel, Daniel came and told him all of this. Nebuchadnezzar was startled. 
Because he identified that not an iota of the vision that he had in his dream was omitted by Daniel. You know, when people tell you they dream, dream about something or they dreamt about something, who are you to argue? Somebody tells you, I dreamt I was president. You see, uh, well, let's hope it will happen. You're lying down on the same bed with your husband or wife. Olotagin lo niabu governor. Call again. Ina igasia na isue law. Have you ever seen two people dreaming the same dream? It doesn't happen. How then can somebody tell you your dream if it wasn't God? And when Nebuchadnezzar was going to say, Oh, wow, 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 what? You are God. You are, he said, No. It pleased God. Not because of me, but because of you, King Nebuchadnezzar, to reveal what he has proposed for the world. In other words, the agenda of God for the world. Nothing. Repeat. Nothing. Repeat again. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. Nothing. So, he explained the meaning. The head of gold was going to be an empire that already existed. That was Babylonian Empire. The upper arms and breasts of silver was another empire that would be a dichotomous empire. And that was what actually happened. And I will explain. The third was a third empire which according to Daniel's interpretation had rule over the entire known world at that time. The fourth was a solid, rugged, conquering empire. And then, after that, for a long time, legs are long, coming to the feet, a mixture of iron and clay. A diffuse kingdom that will not have the strength of that fourth empire, but they are doing everything they can to keep together. Did these things happen? Of course they happened. Babylonian Empire, the head of gold, ruled the world from 626 B.C. to 539 B.C. It happened. How was Babylon destroyed? Remember that there are seven wonders of the world. One of those wonders of the world was built by no less a personality as King Nebuchadnezzar. The hanging gardens of Babylon. Go and Google it. Recently, they are trying to add a few more things, say eight wonders of the world, nine wonders. But go back to the original seven wonders of the world. Google it. One of them is the hanging gardens of Babylon, built by Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar died, there was a kind of mutiny 
in the army and an insurrection because apparently he didn't have a strong son, but he had a strong son-in-law. Nebonidus was the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. He married Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, the princess. However, Nebonidus realized that he was more or less an illegitimate emperor. Because anywhere he went to, hanging gardens of Babylon, built in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. That's the inscription. The wall surrounding Babylon, built in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Everything there, built in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. The walls of Babylon were huge. About 80, 60 to 85 feet in thickness, depending on where you were. So, they built such strong walls to make sure nobody came in to defeat Babylon. And they felt very secure. Nebonidus decided to go on a military expedition to find a suitable city, conquer that city, make it his own abode, that will be called the city of Nebonidus, just as Babylon was called the city of Nebuchadnezzar. Unfortunately for Nebonidus, you read this in history books, when he was leaving for his military expedition, he handed over the kingdom to Belshazzar. Remember, Daniel's name, Belteshazzar. His son, Belshazzar. Unfortunately, Belshazzar was a banku, gutan boy. Chop I chop boy. Palm wine drinker. Gyration member. He knew everything about Bacchus. For those of you who were in the Pan Wine Drinkers Club in university. Bacchus didn't start today. So, this young man was more interested in what our brethren in Cross River or Aquaibon would call enjoyment. Enjoyment. He wasn't interested in governance. Party, 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 party. So, one fateful day, while Nebonidus was away, and Belshazzar called for a big feast for 1,000 princes. 1,000 princes. Their wives, their concubines. I don't know any place in Enugu that will contain that many. That shows you how expansive their palace was. What his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar did not do and could not do. What his father Nebonidus did not do and could not do. He decided to do. He said... Go to my grandfather's storehouse, precious storehouse. 
Get all the golden goblets, silver goblets, bronze goblets, steel goblets, the cups that they used in the temple of God in Jerusalem that my grandfather captured, bring them so that myself, I, myself and me, and all of my princes will drink kai kai with them. He decided to stick his finger in the eyes of God. Nobody does that and escapes. So, when they were, we are drinking and drinking, or they were about to begin the main drinking, he decided to propose a toast by himself. He toasted the God of gold. Toasted the God of silver. Toasted the God of bronze. Toasted the God of iron. But the very God in whose hand his life was, he forgot to toast him. Let me take us back a little. Remember that the event I'm describing, I describe about Nebuchadnezzar and everything, occurred in chapter 2. But what happened in chapter 3? To show you how myopic man is and how power enslaves and absolute power enslaves absolutely. Nebuchadnezzar saw a statue, head of gold, arms and breasts of silver, abdomen and thigh of bronze, leg of iron, feet of iron and clay. He decided to build a statue that was gold plotted from head to toe. To show that the kingdoms will forever be Babylon. You understand what I'm saying? And he said everybody must bow down and do what? Worship. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, Daniel, refused to worship. Go and read chapter 3 of Daniel. So I'm now explaining to you how the other kingdoms came about. So as he was... Belshazzar was tossing all this God and forgot the God who created him. God sent a hand. Apparently he felt there's no point sending an angel to this man. I will just send one hand. And that hand just wrote Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. Immediately Belshazzar saw that. He knew, and that is where the English people got the word. He saw what? The handwriting on the wall. He knew the game was over. The Bible said his knees started knocking and his feet couldn't hold him. The king's stamina, his resolve, everything fell through. He called the wise men again. He fitted the princes, the princesses, the princes and their concubines. They did not remember the man of God until nobody in the whole kingdom could explain to him what the handwriting on the wall meant. They now, his mother now told him, send for Daniel. When your grandpapa 
getting own wahala. Now Daniel welcomed Sobamu. And then he sent for him. Instead of appreciating, he said, Ah, Daniel, uh, are you that slave man that, you know, my father used to talk about, my grandfather used to talk about, uh, they say the spirit of the gods are in you? Useless flattery. If you explain this thing, I will give you everything up to half of my kingdom and make you the third ruler. You know why he said he will make Daniel the third ruler? His father and in laws, even though he was away, was the first ruler. He, Belshazzar, was the second ruler and he can only make somebody a third ruler. That's where you see scriptures coming together with some of the other historical events that you need to in order to understand some of these things. Daniel said to hell with all your gifts. And he gave him the interpretation. Say, your kingdom is ended. God has put you on a scale and found you to be wanting. Your kingdom is divided between the Medes and the Persians. I will not go into details of how the Medo Persians came in. But that night, they conquered Babylon. It didn't take days. Babylon was gone. 539 BC. Medo-Persians. It was first the Medes and the Persians. Then later, remember Persians, Iran. Later, and Babylon, Iraq. Later, the Persians had an upper hand. So instead of just the two arms of silver, it became one chest. Because the Persians, as it were, assimilated the, the Medes. And they ruled until 330 BC. When a man who was born under mysterious circumstances conquered the whole known world. Remember that the interpretation of Daniel said the third kingdom will have rule over the whole known world. That man was Alexander the Great. According to archaeological finds and historical data, that's what they say. I'm not a historian. But they say that King Philip II of Macedon very wise king. The city, King Philip II, was the king of Philippi. The city Philippi was named after him. He was the King Philip II of Macedon, but the city Philippi was named after him, to which the Apostle Paul eventually wrote a letter. And he was that king, not like the typical Nigerian governor or president, who would like to say that... Uh, they will rule forever and ever. No. King Philip II of Macedon paid a man good salary to do only one thing. Every day, this man must come to the king, bow before him and tell him, O king, remember that you shall die. That's what a king paid somebody to remind him. Try to tell a Nigerian ruler that and you will taste both kirikiri and more than that. 
Remember that you shall die. One day you will die. That was all his job. And he got a good salary and ate from the palace. Just for reminding the king that he will die. So, clairvoyance told King Philip II of Macedon that if he would take his wife to a pit of dangerous snakes, well-known pit of snakes, and happened to meet his wife in that pit of snakes, that the person that will born will rule the whole world. And he did it. Alexander was born. By his twenties, in his twenties, he was already ruling the whole world. And according to historical records, they said Alexander the Great wept bitterly that there were no more wars to conquer. After conquering everything there was, he realized that conquering the whole known world was not enough. He wept that there were no more wars to conquer. Eventually when he died, Greece fell under four generals and so on and on and off. Greece was on and off until the Romans started rising. And by 63 BC, Rome conquered Greece. The fourth empire, Greece, was abdomen and thigh of bronze. They were conquered by the legs of iron, Roman Empire. And Rome was ruling when Jesus Christ was born here the first time. And ruled until 476 AD. The longest lasting of all this empire. And ever since then, nothing of such has happened in the world. Until the European common market that eventually became the European economic community that eventually became the European community, that eventually became the European Union, that is now being indirectly also run by the present Pope. By tomorrow, hopefully, we will tell you the identity of this Pope. It's not the Antichrist, but it's very close. People are saying it's the Antichrist. I don't believe it's the Antichrist, but it's very close. So the old Roman Empire, the feet of iron and clay, is what we see. Already there is Brexit. There might be other exits. We don't know. But it shows you, as the Bible said, that they will not find it easy to keep themselves together. Exactly the way the interpretation came. That's exactly what we are saying in the world today, telling you. That 2,700 years ago, God had written the history of the world and given to the church. As they unfold, I am not Mark Good, nor a measure. That's our God. That's our God. The old Roman Empire is now being revived. What other things tell us that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because According to the word of God, in the days of these kings, not this king, these kings of the mixture of iron and clay, shall God establish a kingdom that will crush all of this and will eventually rule the entire world. That's the point where we are today.
some of the things we need to touch on. Satanism is on the rise. How many of you watched the heavy duty million woman match against Donald Trump in the US? How many of you watched it on CNN? Some of you. Do you know that the church of Satan also was among the demonstrators? Did you know that they, they didn't hide the identity, the Satanist? They did not hide their identity. They said, we are the church of Satan. We are Satanists. By tomorrow, by the grace of God, we will also reveal identity of some of these people, including societies among us, that many people don't realize they are serving the devil. I was shocked when I saw consecration of holy communion somewhere. I won't mention the name. Thank God it's not an Anglican church. And the people were invoking Lucifer in a church, not a satanic church. They said Lucifer opens people's eyes. That Lucifer is God. And this is probably the largest church in the world today. We have a problem. Satanism is growing. The 666 system and the new world order we are going to cover. I'll try as much as possible to see how much of these I can cover tonight and where we stop, we continue. These are things we are going to be talking about. The Antichrist system, the false prophets, the EMP, possibility of an EMP war, electromotive pulse attack, the implications of terrorism and all that, the mystery of God's Shemitah, the cycle of seven years, jubilees and sabbaths and so on, We'll be able to review the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ on the second coming and then the agenda and then eventually talk about the 666 system and so on. But brethren, let me explain to you. The reason I'm not carrying all these documents is this thing I've been teaching for decades now, three full decades now. They're all a reality. Everybody talks about the new world order. Why is every part of the world so deeply disturbed about this man called Donald Trump? Why? One major reason. He is not in favor of the new world order. Why must they bring him down at all costs? Because his program will lengthen the time that it will take for the full emergence of the global system of governance. Many years ago, I was speaking to brethren and I kept saying that. And I mean no words about it. 
the closest thing to the Antichrist that has ever lived on earth is President Obama. Never has a man coming ever so stealthily, ever so peaceably, ever so with much accolade to be a world leader. And everything he has done has been to further Islamic overthrow of the world. Under his rule, all these countries that are having problem of terrorism, wars, the people that need refuge most are Christians. But Obama's government made sure that over 95% of those, in some cases 99% of those admitted to America are Muslims and not Christians. People say Obama might be so and so. I say Obama is the first Islamic president of America. Never have we seen a thing like that. The church has been fought almost to her knees before this time. Homosexual agenda has been propagated with a lot of vehemence and intimidation. Primary schools are now being taught. That there are other lifestyles apart from a male father and a female mother. In primary schools, they use images to teach people that there are other preferable sexual relationships. Primary and secondary schools. They now say there are those who are male, female, transgender. There are lesbians. There are homosexuals. The lesbian gay agenda. President Obama did everything to make sure that lesbian gay agenda was carried to the end. And that was why he got the Supreme Court to now rule. I was in the United States two years ago. Oh, call it a, almost two years ago now. As a keynote speaker to the African Christian Fellowship. When that rule came that a man can now marry a man and a woman can now marry a woman and if you refuse to wed them or give them license you lost your job this is the first time it happened in america canada had already done it south africa accepts homosexuality Japan even went as far as saying that adultery is now legal. Once it has to do with business. So if there is a business relationship, you can enjoy yourself with somebody else's husband or wife. Germany came up with the idea that incest is now okay. That they are going to reduce and begin to review the whole criminality of incest. Because there was a young man and a young woman born of the same mother and father who fathered children together. Incest. And now we have also seen people who wedded animals in India. The man dresses up in, in suit 
or their turban and the, the, the sheep dresses up and so on and they pronounce them man and wife. From lesbianism and homosexuality the next thing is bestiality. People will now marry animals. Because when you are tired of marrying a woman, you are uh, you're a man. You are tired of marrying a woman, you marry a man. You're a woman, you're tired of marrying a woman, you marry uh, uh, marrying a man, you marry your, uh, another woman. And when that people get tired of that, they start marrying animals. We also know that sometimes even in in our country here once in a while People have very horrible sexually transmitted disease because they slept with animals. So, all kinds of things are happening in the world. Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton, during the debate said that if a woman is to deliver within 24 hours. She still has the right to kill the baby that will be delivered within 24 hours. That it is her right. And it is her choice. So from 1973 to this time, America has killed 73 million, uh, 70 million children. Is that not human sacrifice? To the devil. And yet, because he's a black man, many people will vote for people who murder people. People who force homosexuality on people. People who force lesbianism on people. People who say that if you're a pastor and you preach against a politician, you will lose your cover. And you will not be allowed to collect any offerings with, that will be tax deductible. That is the government of America, or that was, until the 20th of January this year. And remember that every poll declared that Clinton has already won. Have you be so? Everybody was saying, as for me, I was depressed. But I said, if Clinton wins, it means the end is nearer. If Trump wins, it means God wants to give America one last chance to repent. And God in his infinite mercy removed the sword of Democles that was over the church and allowed Trump. A man whose words were horrible. A man who who was saying words that will make people not vote for him. In fact, I see him, I regard him as the man who campaigned most to lose an election and he ended up winning. But that shows you what God does. For now, They've tried everything to see if they can obtain that. They are talking of assassinating him. They are talking of all kinds of things. But nothing will happen unless God wants it to happen. Have you no be so? They can't just kill him like that unless God allows them. Why do they want him dead? Because he's put a big question mark on globalism. A big 
setback for globalism. So, we are going to be able to look at some of these things within this period. The Lord Jesus Christ said a few things, and I would like us to go through them before I continue. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I don't know how many of you understand what I'm saying about American politics. It was so bad. It was so bad that Christians, in some places, it was... Do you know, Obama's government decided to insist that if a man, a pedophile, a rapist, decided that he felt he was a woman on a particular day, he can go to where small girls are taking their bath or having, doing their toilet. And any state that doesn't endorse that, they will lose federal money. That was how bad things were getting in that country. Other things like, I remember many years ago, this is up to 20 years now, you could write an essay on Muhammad and get A. Write one on Lycogus, you get A. Write one on Buddha, you get A. Write one on Zoroastra, you get A. Write one on Jesus Christ, they give you a D or an F. It is a global system driven by humanism and undercurrent Masonic mission. Freemasonry. How many of you have heard of Freemasonry? In the lodge. They used to be very powerful, even in Enugu here. I'm sure all of you know that. The older ones know that. Thankfully, the massive revival in Anglican church halted. They are taking over the church. They were in charge of the whole church before. Not anymore. It has changed. For the Anglican communion in Nigeria. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 1. Then Jesus went out. And departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And he said to them. Do you not see all these things? Assuredly I say to you. Not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and we deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. 
And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another. And will hate one another. Then many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Brethren, what you see in the world today is lawlessness. How many of you saw that video of homosexuals and um, gay people undressing their buttocks and opening their, their anus to cause Trump? How many of you saw that a few days ago? Okay, some people have seen it. How do, can you imagine that? In the public, oh, photo with what they wrote on their buttocks. Mado God have mercy on us. Lawlessness. People do whatever they want. And they don't care. Many years ago, I was on sabbatical leave, 1995, as visiting professor, University of Nevada, Reno. And I read a homosexual, um, I, I just stumbled by it, homosexual magazine. You know what they said? They said that the homosexual act wasn't really the main thing they were about. That what they were about was 100% opposition to anything called law or authority. Whether it is God or government or anybody oppose it. What do we call that? Lawlessness. What is the Antichrist? Man of what? Lawlessness. That's what the Bible says. And the Lord Jesus said so many things will happen. Wars, rumors of wars. We are seeing global conflicts all over. And he said these are the beginning of birth pangs. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. We've seen that. As recently as a few decades ago, 1980 something, I was just rounding off my PAD program. Um, in the United States then, about 1985, when they showed people in one of the African countries where farming was so bad that when people came to give them seed, because of the drought and the seed could not grow well, they would eat the seed. At the end of the day, people started eating themselves. Even in families, any child that was about ready to die, they will put um, a, a knife through the throat. And the child will bleed. And then they will use that child, the meat, to feed other children. 
There was a pathetic one in which a man insisted that his family must kill him because he had become so weak and so frail that he said, put that knife through my throat. Let me be food for you. And he said he was going to do it anyway if they didn't. Of course, they had to eat him eventually. So that's how bad things have been in some places. Famines, pestilences, drought. It's this generation that people are talking of tsunamis. I remember that first one. I was at UNN then. I think around December of one of those years I was at Unsuka. How many people? Nearly 200,000 people. Tsunami. How do you control a tsunami? You can't. How do you control a hurricane? There has been more rapid increase. It appears everything happening is happening with rapidity. One of the greatest things that shocked the world was the Japanese earthquake that happened. Even though the intensity was enough to shift the axis of the earth just by an infinitely tiny bit. But it didn't cause such a tsunami as would have been. But you saw what happened to the nuclear plants. Look at Haiti. Earthquake. Over 200,000 people. More earthquakes are happening with higher rapidity. It's like a geometric progression. Not just an arithmetic one. With regard to the number and intensity of global disasters occasioned by nature that man cannot control. Why they are busy telling us about the ozone layer? They don't tell us that ozone layer self-depletes. Recently they've come to tell us a few weeks ago. I'm sure um, my brother and his colleagues who are medical uh, uh, doctors and professors. Um, I don't know what they are now going to tell those of us who come to them for counseling. They now say that cholesterol doesn't come from what you eat. It is what they inside you, they produce the cholesterol. One day, man wakes up. He has a hypothesis. After some time, he calls it a theory. After some time, he calls it a law. And after some time, God will pafuka all those laws and hypotheses and theories, and they'll begin all over again. That's why I was happy. I did chop egg now. You know, all these things, nature, man's knowledge. When they brought DDT, everybody rejoiced. Malaria will stop because mosquitoes will be wiped out. And they found out DDT is carcinogenic. They now brought this wonderful thing that we eventually devised asbestos. And very heat resistant fire resistant and everything and we've been using it even for the water we drink till today and they found out that if you inhale the particles you could get cancer from that virtually everything man has found or man has theorized or man has come up with a solution one day go be one day monkey go go market he no go return and these things are just there. 
Many years ago, they talked about Pythagoras' theorem not being totally exact. I said, make when I not talk that one. After all, the calculations I did up to PAD contained Pythagoras' theorem. Now, there is a question about the, one of the greatest mathematical equations ever devised by man. The law of general relativity. It's now being questioned in some circles. And scientists are hiding the fact that some people are disputing the law of general relativity. They don't want it to come in the open because they are afraid of what reactions will be. But Jesus said all these things will happen. He said they will torture you. They will harass you. They will kill you. The typical Christian will say not my portion. Not my portion. You will go to prison for Jesus. Not my portion. Which one will be your portion now? You won't suffer for the Lord. Not your portion. Many years ago, our brother was arrested. I won't mention his name. He turned 70 years old a few weeks ago. At New Heaven, they put him under. Everything I did, everything many of us did, I'm sure there are brethren here who might have, if um, uh, Dr. Edia Neke is around, I'm sure he might have joined us, I don't remember, to go and plead for the release of our brother. And they didn't. So at night, our brother realized he had one football team of co arrestees who were locked up in one cell and he remembered Paul and Silas they prayed they sang the Holy Ghost came down he started witnessing to them he preached for hours that night that night 11 young men gave their life to Jesus Christ if they didn't lock up our brother would those people have known Jesus and all of us, any little thing, ah, they are torturing me, ah, they are persecuting me, ah, they are doing that. God might put us in a situation to use us to spread the gospel. If we get too comfortable in Enugu here, and we refuse to go out to evangelize, something is going to happen here. During the war, I remember, I was a teenager, just before I joined the army, I joined the army as a teenager. I was commissioned at the age of about 16 years old. At Omar here then, that's where brethren gathered. There was a concentration of born again Christians. Sometimes when they saw a meal, you will see a brother just to say table grace. Oh, Kulu praise is gathered for 35, 40 minutes. Now, Fuluni. But they were enjoying their fellowship until the bomb started dropping, including Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Omaya. And they scattered. Same thing in Jerusalem. So let's not get too comfortable here. Otherwise, something peace happen. And it will send all of us out as missionaries and evangelists. So, when things happen that God already said will happen, we should not be afraid. He said, for many will hate one another 
be offended even at the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a sister who said she would never forgive the Lord for what the Lord did to her. They will betray one another and will hate one another. And he said, then many false prophets will rise up and do what? Deceive many. Tomorrow we will talk about the grand deception. Many false prophets will rise up. Some of the things that the Lord had anticipated here about this wars, they are physical wars, material wars, emotional wars, spiritual wars. There is what they call the EMP war. I will explain that tomorrow. I hope I'm not putting many things off to tomorrow because you don't need to fire a bullet in order to kill millions of people. And you don't need a nuclear weapon to do that. You'll hear about that tomorrow. Electromotive pulse attack. In 2015, I gave a teaching on that to the Great Commission Executive Chapter in Enugu. And I predicted that something was going to happen. As God would have it, six months after that, the CIA released information showing that Iran was planning an EMP attack on America. So the brethren said, please come back. That thing you, you taught us last year, they said it might happen soon. Come and explain more. And again, I had to go back late September last year to give more teachings on these things. It is important that we get instructed that we know what the Lord wants us to know in this end time. We are in a spiritual warfare. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 talks about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But a lot of things will happen before then. A lot of things. And some of them are already happening. He said, only those who endure to the end will what? Be saved. Many are so finicky. Many are so panicky. Many are not even interested in allowing themselves to be stretched for the sake of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think, well, God will just accept them like that and they will be raptured and so on, even when they don't even know him. Revelation talks about he who was, who is, and who is to come. And what he is going to do. We are reaching the climax very soon. And let me introduce, because we will come back to chapter 24. We will take a few verses tomorrow. But before we close, let's take a quick look at some of the things we will eventually expound. And that is Revelation chapter 13. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. Let me read from verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. 
And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Whose deadly wound was healed. He performed great signs. So that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Brethren, one thing I want to just clarify before I go on. If you lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, was there a slide rule? Was there a calculator? Was there a computer? Was there an iPhone, GSM? Was there an iPad? None of these things. When we talk about image, it is not only a fact now, that from holography, you can get a three-dimensional image of a human being, including yourself. For instance, we've known people. One of my, uh, the people I mentored, I, I brought over many years ago from my PhD days. I mentored quite a few people to do PhD in America and so on. He studied, his topic was holographic interferometry. You can actually have an image of somebody in three dimensions and you'll be looking at a case and the person will smile at you or something. And when Nigerian politicians and others started going to soothsayers in Britain and they will show them an image of somebody they claim to be their grandparents, they will say, yes, so we saw our great-grandmother that he never knew. They don't realize they will get the photos of these old women and old men who have no teeth. And they will show you and they will turn and smile at you. Say, yeah, that, you know, if you look at the nose, it looks like the nose of my grandfather and so on. Brethren, there is a mass deception all over the world. But all I'm saying is, yes, there could be three-dimensional images, but very simply, television now shows us images of people. I've been obiso, and you can recognize anybody in a photograph, in a still movie, or in a motion movie. So these things are possible. That the image, the person of the Antichrist would be seen. Because there was no television in those days. How could they describe it? The vocabulary was not there. The technology was not there. The learning was not there. So I give real kudos to those prophets who saw and wrote. Even though they didn't see the possibility of fulfilling what the Lord asked them to write. So he goes on. Verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should speak, both speak, 
And cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. It's now easy to see anybody or anyone on a television set. And if they say this man is the Antichrist at a particular time, everybody should bow down and hail him. And you refuse to do that. You will be thrust out or you could be killed according to the word of God. He causes, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Hallelujah. Brethren, remember three questions we are asked of Jesus. Question number one, when will these things be? Question number two, what will be the signs of your coming? Question number three, what will be the signs of the end of the world? Matthew 24, 1 to 3. So, Jesus in the entirety of Matthew 24 was dealing with answering these three questions. Number one was fulfilled. That the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70. That one already gone. Number two, we are seeing that happen today. And the same as number three. They've been happening. And now it talks about the mark of the beast. Either on the forehead or the back of the hand. Brethren, how many of you know that included in Obamacare is the chip implant in the body of somebody who, what means you cannot get any medical attention unless you have that chip implant. How many of you know that? Okay. That's Obama's government. It may, it won't be easy to set these things back. The fact is, the technology for chip implant we have seen. How many of you also know that chip implant on people's back of the hand has already started taking place in many parts of the world? How many know that? It's already happening. The time will come. Because it makes life easier. Why carry plastic money? What if they steal your card? Before you realize it, the person has used it to buy something. Or cleaned up because we have debit cards, we have credit cards, we have transaction cards. What if your ultimate transaction card is stolen from you? But if you have a chip implant, how, how big is the chip implant? How many people know how big? The size of a grain of rice. So it's smaller than a tutonetoginiru. It won't be perceptible. But it will have everything about you. Medical records. Your social security number. Your driving license number. If you open an account in any bank, they will program it via satellite and it will go to the chip. And 
you program your house doors so that only you, immediately you come, you will no longer swiping anything, swiping your card, you swipe your forehead or you swipe your hand. And it will open the door for you. Life is easier. How many people will chop off your head in order to use your head? Nobody. So nobody will be able to steal again. Some of you, when I was talking about cashless society, people thought it's impossible. Are we not going into cashless society now? Electronic fund transfer all over. Last year we were in Denmark. Three of us, we were stunned to observe. We went to three different banks in order to cash or exchange money. And they told us, we don't have cash in this bank. They finally told us where we could go. And as God will have it, we were just getting there by one minute to five. When they were going to close the door. And one of us put the leg inside the door before they shut it. That was how we got our money exchanged to pay for the hotel. Cashless society. Bank. A full blown bank. No money. There was even a cartoon they showed some time ago. Where somebody went to a bank to cash $20. And the cashier started taking offerings because nobody had cash. Plastic money. Charge it. Debit. Credit. Whatever. is happening. But why you should see that we are already at the mark of the big point. He said, and no one may buy or sell except one has the mark. That is the one we will reject. Or the name of the beast or the number of his name. We are all of us almost using credit and debit cards. We are into the system. But what the Bible says is those who receive the mark on their body. Because it shows you are devoted to the system. And once you have done that, there will be no remedy again. We will come to that. So all business transactions will be done through the marks. Either on the head or on the hand. Many years ago, when I was at Cathedral Church of the Good Shepherd, Sunday school class, in the morning, I asked a question of my class. I said... Because something was discovered. And they found out the latest chip implant for the body. Size grain of rice. Some of them smaller than a typical rice grain. Not the long grain, the short one. That it operates by a system. And recharges itself by fluctuating temperature. When the temperature changes, it is charging. As the temperature fluctuates, it is charging. If the temperature is constant, it may discharge completely. And I asked my Sunday school class, where in the body do we have the fastest temperature alterations? Nobody could answer. I'm sorry to mention his name. Only a professor of medicine, Professor Chukwudabelo, answered that question. He said, it is right here. 
exactly where the Bible said it would be. And the device they have come up with depends upon fluctuation of temperature in the body and the most rapid fluctuations occur either here or at the back of the hand. Exactly as the Bible said it would be. Dr. Sanders who have discovered this started warning people because later he became a Christian. Because he couldn't see how this thing could happen and eventually tallied exactly with the Bible. That these very chips will one day have a little leak. And once it leaks, boils will start occurring on the body of whoever has the chip in the body. What does Revelation 16, 2 or 3 say? That all those who have, when God starts releasing the bowls of his wrath, that everybody who has the mark of the beast will have noisome boils on their body. Isn't the word of God exact? Exactly the way the Bible said it would be. 2,000 years plus later. That is exactly what technology is doing. Brethren, it is time to seek the Lord. Until he comes and rings righteousness upon us. The present stage of the mark of the beast. We've come there. I've seen people being inserted on video. The chip implants. In fact, many years ago, somebody who wanted to wed in Enugu from Abuja came and said that they told them in their office, wanted me to wed them. That they now have bio, bio um, ID cards. But very soon, that it will be chip implants that will be given to them in their office. You ask yourself, are we not there? Are we not there yet? So brethren, the game is up. It is left for us to either say yes to Jesus and prepare to meet him. But the question is, if he were to come tonight, would you be ready? Will you be ready to meet him? That is the key thing. What if the trumpet sounded tonight? Is your name in the book of life? Have you abandoned your first love? Have you walked away from him? Have you rejected him? Are you now living and doing as you please? Satisfying yourself at the expense of preparing yourself to meet your Lord and Savior. Who will you blame if you miss the rapture? One wonderful thing about our God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He is very forgiving. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. But we have to confess our sins to Him. We have to be ready to walk with Him and serve Him. We have to embrace Him. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard that voice and it told thy love to me. And I learned to walk in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. 
Are you ready to be drawn to him? Or are you still busy with the things of the world? His coming is coming in great glory. As we pray, ask yourself, am I ready? In Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 it says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Are you playing with fire? Are you walking with him? Let's bow for a word of prayer. That's a beautiful song that goes like this. If Jesus should call you today, dear friend, to stand at his judgment seat, and you knew that this hour your life would end, would the summons be sad or sweet? Or would you be ready if Jesus should call you today? Or would you be ready? Be ready his call to obey. Brethren, tonight our prayer will be for those who want to be ready. Hopefully tomorrow we'll have time to pray for those with other special needs, healings, deliverance, and so on. But first things first. Why would you be healed and yet go to hell? Why would your finances be healed and yet you go to hell? Why would your family receive healing and yet you go to hell? Why not first things first, your soul? For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The Lord is calling you tonight. If you are not sure, brethren, we are not saying just for those who are giving their lives to the Lord for the first time or whatever. If you are not sure that your name is in the book of life, you are not sure that the rapture, if it occurred tonight, that you will be there with them. I would like to pray for you because the Lord says that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if this is your desire tonight to get ready, to make ready, to prepare for your Lord and your Lord's return, and if you desire to be cleansed from your sins, to be healed of your backsliding, of your fickleness, of your lukewarmness, of your lackadaisical attitude toward the Lord, of your not walking strong and bold in the presence of the Lord, you desire to break every barrier and become His and His alone. 
I would like to pray for you. And I want you to lift up your hand where you are so that I can pray for you. God bless you. Lift it up well. It's for the Lord, not for me. All of you lifting up your hand, just stand up where you are. As you are standing up, stand up. And as you stand up, you are standing for the Lord Jesus Christ, not for me. Go ahead and do so. You don't have to look around. There are many more who lifted their hands. I want you to know that Jesus is here to save you to the uttermost. If you lose this opportunity and the Lord came, something happened. I was in that village today for burial. I, immediately I came back from Lagos. A preacher was there preaching like me. And when the altar call was made, two young girls started walking away, chewing their gums and talking rubbish. Right there as they tried to cross the road, a commercial vehicle hit one of them. She fell and died on the spot. The other one quickly rushed to the crusade ground and gave her life to the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. And those of you who are standing up, you are doing that for the Lord Jesus Christ. As you take a step of faith in coming here, I want you to come in front here so that I can pray for you. All of you who are standing up, just come in front here and I will pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. And those of you who are here, repeat this prayer after me and you will be born again tonight. And your name will be written in the book of life. And you will glorify God and you will make it at the rapture in Jesus' name. Repeat this prayer after me. My Lord and my God, I thank you so much for the privilege of hearing your word and the grace to respond to it. Here am I, Lord. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I cannot heal myself. I commit myself to you at this moment, Lord. All my sins committed from the day my mother conceived me up until this very day I lay them before you. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Wash me through and through with the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, I open my heart to you. And as I do this, I reject the devil in all ramifications. I will have nothing to do with the devil. I renounce the unfruitful works of darkness. I embrace only Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Cancel my name from the book of death. Write my name in the book of life. When the roll is called up yonder, may I be there with your children. From this day on, fill me with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, to desire your word, to read your word, to meditate upon your word, and to live by your word. This is my earnest plea. I believe it is done, for I have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for these children of yours. They've come before you to commit their lives to you. You said whoever comes to you, you will never cast out. And therefore, Lord, 
as they have presented themselves to you and you've given your church and your priests the authority to absolve them of all their sins, whatever sins they have committed from the days their mothers conceived them to this day, we declare your total forgiveness upon them in the name of Jesus. Cleanse them through and through with your precious blood. So that from now on, they will have a clean slate before you, according to your word. As the east is, from, is, as the east is far from the west, so will you remove our iniquities from us and remember our sins no more. May it be their portion in the name of Jesus. Since they have rejected the devil and all his evil works. We come against all the unfruitful works of darkness. Whether it is the devil himself, principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, holding them hostage. We break that position and shatter all their chains in the name of Jesus. We break them loose and set them free to the glory of God. Cancel their names from the book of death. Write their names in the book of life, Lord Jesus. As they have renounced the evil one, we hereby declare that if there be any part, any concord, any accord, any fellowship, any covenant with the unfruitful works of darkness, by them, or directly, or indirectly, through proxy spirits, we hereby declare them null and void and of no effect in the name of Jesus. May your children henceforth live for you and glorify your name in their lives. And as they live from this moment, may they have the joy of the Spirit. May your Spirit bear witness with their Spirit that they now are yours, that they are born again. And believing that you've granted our request, we say to you, be all the glory in Jesus' name. For the rest of the congregation, we pray for every one of us. Times are rough. Times are hard. Times are difficult. Sometimes our knees become wobbly and faint and weak. And our hearts are downtrodden. Father, lift your people up in the name of Jesus. May we have a glimpse of heaven as we look up to you. Let's know that our redemption draweth nigh. And if there are any of your children here being mesmerized, being intimidated, being harassed by any forces of darkness, we set them free in the name of Jesus. That your children will henceforth be free to serve you and worship only you. Believing that you've granted our request and that you will do much more than we prayed for or sought for or asked for, we say may all glory and honor and dominion and power be ascribed unto your holy name, both now and forever in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God shall say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.